Hi, this is Dr. Jonathan Vorce's daughter, Nikki, from Lakewood Family Church. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, helps you, and uplifts you. We're here to win the lost, to train disciples, and to make Jesus famous. Hope you enjoy the message today. We're going to continue our series here today uh, on the tabernacle. Uh, and it's uh, the series is called There's a Worshiper in You. And today we're going to be talking about the coverings of the temple. We've been talking a lot about uh, the brazen altar and the altar of incense and the brazen laver and the menorah and the table of shoe bread and uh, all of these different things. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about the covering. And I've, I've put this together called, uh, uh, I'm calling it today, I've Got You Covered and that is by God. I've got you covered, God. So we're going to talk about that today. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to just dig into your word and just learn things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I pray that you would just touch me to be able to uh, express this and speak it out as the pen of a ready writer. Touch the ears of our listeners to hear. May their understanding be enlightened and and their spirits open. And we thank you for it and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't been here or you've missed a few Sundays, you might want to go on YouTube and catch up on some of the uh, messages that we've been doing. On the, uh, it's called There's a Worshiper in You and it's on the Tabernacle. Today uh, we're going to continue our study on the Tabernacle and we will talk specifically about the types and the symbols of being covered by God. And we're going to deal with the roof coverings for most of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the door that goes into the holy place. The door that goes into the holy place. Now, when you get inside of the outer court, there's what they call an inner court, and it has the holy place and the holiest of holies. And that was a tent. And so that tent had a door, and that door uh, had a covering over the door, which which identifies, and it is a symbol, of Jesus being the door. Uh, And... And there are five different pillars there at that door. One, two, three, four, five. So there are five different pillars. And those five different pillars uh, are symbols of or a pattern of the fivefold ministry, which is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And the Bible says that their work is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Jesus Christ. And so uh, when we look at the door, we realize that the Bible tells us in John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 in the Amplified, it tells us, I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved, or means will live, and he will come in and will go out freely and will find pasture. And then that scripture says, this is the scripture that says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or have it in abundance, which means to have it in full or till it overflows. And so the only way to get into the presence of God is to go through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So if you're going to get into the presence of God, under the covering of God, you have to go through Jesus. We showed you how that we could draw a line from the altar of incense all the way back to the brazen altar and then from the table of shoe bread over to the menorah and that formed the cross, which is a pattern of the only way 
to get into the presence of God is by way of the cross. Jesus is the only way to God. I said Jesus is the only way to God. So it behooves us as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to teach people that truth. Today we're going to focus on the protection that we find here in the coverings of the tabernacle. There were four different coverings of the tabernacle. The first covering was the white linen. The first covering is the white linen. The white linen speaks of the righteousness of God. The Bible says that we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We can't earn our own righteousness. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. We have to allow Christ to make us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The only way that happens is by through Jesus is by Him cleansing us with His blood. Like I told you the last couple of Sundays that I've been up here ministering, I've told you that, that in the Old Testament the Lamb covered the blood. In the New Testament the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world cleanses. The, the Lamb of the Old Testament covers sin. The New Testament cleanses sin. Jesus cleansed sin, making us the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 is a very powerful scripture that I want to share with you today. And this speaks of the righteousness of Christ. Here's what the Bible says. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to Himself, or received us into favor, brought us into harmony with Himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation could also be the word reparation. So God reconciled us to Himself. He repaired our broken relationship with God through the sacrifice of Calvary. He reconciled us to God through the process of atonement. The word atonement means to make at one with. Atonement. At one meant. Atonement. And so when we allow the blood of Jesus to be applied to our heart and to be applied to our life, then God repairs the broken relationships that sin caused between us and God and we, and we, re, we are reconciled back to God, we're back in favor with God and we're brought back in harmony with God. But that's not where it stops. The Word of God tells us that He has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Those of us that are born again bought by the blood of Jesus, have experienced the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Thank God we're saved. Those of us that are in that part, in that, at that point, we have a responsibility to the lost to explain to them the way of reparation or the way of restoration, reconciliation. How do we do that? We do that by word and by deed. And the aim of that is to bring others into harmony with God. Then verse 19 says, It was God, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with Himself. Look at that. It was God personally present in Christ, 
God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the sacrifice for man's sin to reestablish relationship with God. So the Bible said to restore the world to favor with Himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses. I like this in the Amplified, but canceling them. That's the real cancel movement right there. But canceling them. Canceling them and committing to us the message of restoration or reconciliation. The restoration to favor. God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have a responsibility as God's church to to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street and around the world. We find that bared out in verse number 20 where the Bible said, So we are Christ's ambassadors. That means we're His mouthpieces. We're on an agenda for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're conducting God's business in the earth today because we're covered by righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Now look at at this. God making His appeal, as it were, through us. He's making His appeal through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for His sake to lay hold of the divine favor that's offered to you and be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Our message is that God wants you broken, busted, forlorn, separated from God. God still wants you. How do you know that? Because the Bible said, while you were yet in your sins, Christ died for you. So God wants you. He wants us. For our sake He made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin so that in and through Him we might become or be endued with or viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with Him by His goodness. That's a powerful scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21. Now when you go into the the holy place and you get past those five pillars and you go through the door and you look up and you see this beautiful white linen which is depicting the righteousness of God embroidered in that white linen were cherubims in blue and purple and scarlet. And those three things uh, speak of the heavenly origin of that place. It was a heavenly atmosphere in the holy place. Kind of like what was happening here during worship this morning. As we worship the Lord, a heavenly atmosphere comes in and we just get enraptured in the presence of God. That's how it was constantly as the priests were doing service in the holy place. And so the blue spoke of heavenly origin. The purple spoke of the royalty of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the red spoke of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. Now the cherubims in design were angelic creatures. Their purpose was to guard the holiness of God. 
They were to guard the atmosphere. And they were attendants round about the throne. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, I believe it is, that there are still cherubims today in the presence of God and they're crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, there who was and is and is to come. There's, there, there's constant worship going on in heaven. But if we go over to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, we see where cherubims are living creatures. They're not just figments of someone's imagination. They're not just a beautiful picture that someone painted. They're not just an idea. And we're not just figuratively speaking. According to the scripture, cherubims are living creatures. These cherubims had four different faces which depicts the fourfold character of the person of Jesus Christ. The face on one of those cherubims was the face of a man which depicted the humanity of God. The face on another one was the face of a lion which depicted the power of God and the kingship of God. The face on the third one is an ox and that is the symbol of sacrifice and service. And the face on the fourth one was an eagle which spoke of God's ability to see things in great distance which spoke of the omniscience of God, the, all, the power of God and His ability to see far off even into the future. So all of this, all of these things the believer sees in Jesus once He has entered into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and has become the tabernacle themselves. So now let me just kind of, because we know that that is a pattern of things to come. Now let's just kind of bring it into into today's living where we are. The Bible says that God no longer dwells in temples that are made with hands. We've talked about that. That God dwells inside of us. The church is God's dwelling place. We are God's tabernacle. We are the place of His presence. We are the place of His power. And we are the place of His glory. If God wants to get something into the earth, He does it through the church. We're His hands to reach out. We're His feet to carry the gospel. We're His mouth to speak His word. We're His heart to feel His compassion. We are His eyes to see the need. We are are the tabernacle of God. His eyes, His ears, His heart, His mouth, His hands, His feet in the world that we live today. So I want to ask you this question. When people see you today, what do they see? Do they see a representation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Do they see an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Do they hear you talking about Jesus? Do they hear you worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Do they see you walking out your righteousness? You can't make it on your own. You can't achieve it on your own. But if you'll accept the blessing of God and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus, He'll make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you walking out your righteousness? When people see you, when they hear you, when they're in your presence, do Do they feel God? Do they sense the presence of Almighty God? Well, the Bible said that we are a kingdom of kings and priests in the kingdom of our God. We are the bride of Christ. We are representatives of heaven. We are carriers of His power and we are conduits of His presence. The anointings that the earth needs will flow through us as we reach out to meet the needs of other people. We are His 
tabernacle. This isn't a tabernacle. This is just a room. Look at your neighbor right now and say, Hello, tabernacle. You're the tabernacle of God. You're the dwelling place of God. You're the dwelling place of His presence. Why? You say, well, I can't do that. You don't know what I'm... He made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's washed you. He's cleansed you. He's purified you. He doesn't remember your sins against you anymore. They're gone. Look at your neighbor and say, gone, baby, gone. (laughs) Isn't this fun? The second layer... Not only is it the covering, now there's four layers. Not only is the covering just the the white linen with the cherubims and all of that, which speaks of the righteousness of God, but the second layer is the goat's hair. And the goat's hair is found in Exodus chapter 26 and verse number 7. And these were placed over the linen curtains and extended down, completely covering the sides and the back of the tabernacle entirely to the ground. And so no one from the outside could see the white linen. All right? No one from the outside could see the white linen. The only way to experience the righteousness of God is to be in the holy place. The only way to experience the righteousness of God is to go through Jesus who is the door and go in there where the presence of God, that's the only way. That's the only way. So they couldn't see it from the outside. So we look here and a goat in the Bible is... Uh, and and let, let me say it like this... Um, there were two goats that, that were used there. And one was a goat that would be used as a sacrifice. And the other was a goat that was called the scapegoat. And so what would happen is they would sacrifice one goat for the covering of sins. Again, Old Testament covering, New Testament, lamb slain from the foundation of the world, cleansing. All right? So the Old Testament uh, sacrifices covered sin. Jesus' sacrifice cleanses sin. Big difference. So we see here they would take this one goat and they would slay this goat. And as they were slaying this goat, the priest would put his hand on the other goat, which was the scapegoat, and he would transfer the sins of the people from the year onto the head of the scapegoat. And then they would send that scapegoat out into the wilderness, never to be seen again. So the first goat, this is in Leviticus 16, verses 19 through 22. So the first goat... The first goat was slain at the altar and his blood was poured at the base of the altar which is symbolic of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ in his death. We look at Psalms 103 and verse number 12. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So Jesus took our sins in order that we might become the recipients of His righteousness. And this is taught by the death of the first goat which was slain on the day of atonement at the door of the tabernacle. The second goat remained alive after having received the sins of the people transferred upon him by confession and the laying on of the hands of the priest and it's sent into the desert never to return. By seeing this, we see Christ our sin bearer who is our substitute who became the scapegoat for us who bore our sins in his body on the tree. 
Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, He said, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command have I received from my Father. So in Jesus, we see the atoning sacrifice and we also see the scapegoat taking our sin and taking it away from us never to be remembered again against us anymore. So because of our great love, because of God's great love for us, Jesus took our sin, He took our guilt, He took our iniquity on Calvary paid the penalty for our sins and redeemed us back to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the power of the ram covering, the ram's uh, covering there. The third is the ram's skin, the ram's skin covering here. The third layer forming the roof of the tabernacle was made of leather. It was tanned. It was dyed deep red, which is a symbol of the blood of Christ. It was coupled together to make one large covering which was placed over the lower two coverings of the linen and the goat's hair curtain. So you've got the linen, you have goat's hair, and now you have rams. A ram was used as an offering of consecration. Now the difference between the offering of consecration and the other offerings was the offering of consecration, they would actually offer the whole offering. They would burn it down to, to dust, down to powder. A lot of these other offerings, they would take the blood, sprinkle it upon the people. We talked about the cutting, remember? The covenant where God married Israel at the cutting place there on Mount Sinai. Remember that? We talked about that, how that the Bible said that God that, that they sprinkled the people, Moses sprinkled the people and sprinkled the altar and that was the marriage between God and between Israel. Well, that continued on. And so that can, where the priest would go in and actually sprinkle the altar. And then they would take the flesh and they would have a fellowship offering. And then they would take the flesh and they would eat the flesh. Well, this is a different offering entirely. There was nothing left to eat. There was nothing left to sprinkle. It was over. An offering of consecration was a complete offering where there was absolutely nothing left except ashes. And that's a symbol of what it means to consecrate ourselves to God. When we offer ourselves to God as an offering of consecration, what we're saying is, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all of my past with its successes and failures. God, I'm giving you all of my present and I'm giving you all of my future. Lord, I offer everything to you. I offer you my gifts and my talents. I offer you my shortcomings. I offer you those areas that, uh, that I, I really need work. God, I'm just, it's a clean slope. Slate, here I am, God. Take me and use me. Whatever you can make of me, take me and use me. That is when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord. In the first service I shared with our congregation, in the first service I shared with them an experience that I had uh, about 20 years ago. I was going through a very difficult time and I was, we were in Kentucky and I went to the Lord and about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and I was walking along the creek bank there. It's a place called the Licking River out of Moorhead, Kentucky, eastern Kentucky. And it was about 3 in the morning and I'd woke up and, and I just needed to talk to the Lord. And so I'm walking along the banks of that river and I was kind of down and despondent and discouraged. And I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I just really need you to help me here. I'm having a very difficult time. And, and uh, there were some things going on there in my life at that time that was very difficult. And, and then it started to rain. And when it rained, I slipped and fell in the mud. And I thought, could it get any worse? 
And so I just slipped there and I thought, I'm not even getting up. And so it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm laying in the mud. It's raining. There's a creek going there. And finally I cried out to the Lord and I said, God, if you're done with me, take me home. I wasn't suicidal. I just loved God. I wanted to be in His presence. And I said, if I'm never going to preach again, if nothing like that, Lord, if you're done with me, take me home. And the Lord spoke to me. There's only two times in my life that I've heard the audible voice of God. One was when I was 11 and the other one was about 20 years ago. The Lord spoke my name because He had to get through the junk that was going on in my head. So He spoke my name. He said, Jonathan. And it got my attention and my mind went back to the Scripture where the Bible said that Samuel ran to Eli and said, Did you call me? And finally Eli realized that God was trying to get his attention. And he said, Next time you hear your name, say, Yes, Lord, your servant hears. And so that's what went through my mind. So when I heard my name, immediately I said, Yes, Lord, I'm listening. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, You can't change the past, but if you'll let it go, I'll give you a future. And they're laying on the edge in the mud but on the north fork of the Lincoln River in eastern Kentucky. I gave God all of my past, all of its successes, all of its failures. I gave God all of my present. I said, God, you can have everything. Lord, whatever you want. And I said, I'm not even going to make any plans. I said, my future is a clean slate. Whatever you want to do with me, God, you can do with me. And I found out what consecration meant. There that day, that night laying in the mud on the North Fork of the Licken River. Now I want to tell you that's what God's looking for some of you to do today. God's looking for some of you to say, he's, he, he says I want to make you righteous. I want to make you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to cover you with righteousness. I want to cover you with my blood. I want you to be in the covering of consecration. But I need you to give me everything. I need you to give me your all, your past, your present, your future. I have a plan for you. I have a destiny for you. But I can't do it as long as you're trying to make my plans for me. God wants us to surrender to Him. So the ramskin covering was about consecration. And in the ramskin covering we find, uh, we, we go back to Genesis chapter 22 and we find where, uh, and this kind of comes from this, and where Abraham was sacrificing Isaac. And the Bible said that he had him tied down to the altar and he was getting ready to sacrifice his son to the Lord, the thing that was most precious to him. You know that scripture where the Bible says that all of a sudden there was an angel that cried out and they heard something in the thicket and there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. And so the Lord provided a sacrifice and He didn't sacrifice His Son. They took the ram and they put the ram on the altar and that ram became the substitute sacrifice. Let me tell you something. There's none righteous, no not one. None of us on our own are worthy of heaven. None of us on our own are worthy of the presence of God. None of us on our own are worthy for God to use us to pour His power through and His anointing through that can affect change in the hearts and lives of individuals. But when you apply the blood of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes because God sees you through the blood. God doesn't see you for your faults and your failures and what your had-have-beens or could-have-beens, but God sees you through the filter of the blood of Jesus Christ. And He offers to you the great exchange that took place on the cross. 
Jesus came to take our condemnation away from us. He became sin for us. He took the sinner's place upon the cross so that the believer could take his place in the Father's house. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, Paul writing to the Galatian church, he said, he said, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the whole world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The great exchange of the cross brought us provision. The great exchange of the cross brought us blessing. It's entirely the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God that I'm here today. It's entirely the grace and the mercy and the love of God that you were able to get up this morning and walk in here and experience the presence of Almighty God as we lifted our hands in worship and praise unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Then the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity means rebellion. Iniquity means the evil consequences and the judgments that come from rebellion. I don't have to pay the price for my rebellion. I don't have to pay the price or suffer the consequences of rebellion. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the... My goodness, I'm going to have a personal rapture up here in a minute. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 The great exchange. The great exchanges that we want to talk about. Romans 6, 23. Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The great exchange of forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 4-6 He was physically wounded that we might be physically healed. By His stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 By His stripes you were healed. What's the difference between Isaiah and Peter? Isaiah was looking toward the cross. By His stripes you are healed. 1 Peter was looking back at the cross. By His stripes you were healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The great exchange. The great exchange is also seen in 2 Corinthians 5.21 where the Bible said that Jesus was made with our sinfulness so that we might be made righteous. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The great exchange is seen in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 where Jesus died our death so that we could have eternal life. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. The great exchange. The great exchange is found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Jesus took our poverty so that we might become rich. It's seen in Matthew 27, 46. He was rejected by God that we might have acceptance. He died of a broken heart of rejection so that we could be embraced by the Father and accepted into the Beloved. 
And then the great exchange, last of all, is seen in Galatians 3, verses 13 through 14, where the Bible said, He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I think I'll take my blessing. He took my curse so I could have a blessing. He was cursed so I could be blessed. He was broken so I could be made whole. He was condemned to death so I could live eternally with Jesus Christ and with God my Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The fourth and the final covering that I want to share with you here today is the porpoise skins. So we see that we're covered with righteousness. We see that we're covered with blood. We see that we're covered through consecration. And last of all, I want to talk to you about the porpoise skins. The porpoise skins had no colorful beauty. They were drab. They were dull. They were bluish gray. It was the only covering visible to the outsider and it had nothing appealing about it, yet it was pro- but yet it protected the tabernacle from the sun and the rain and the storms and the elements of the desert. This is found in Exodus chapter 26. This is why it's so important for us to preach Jesus. This is why it's so important for us to uh, be addicted to evangelism and to be addicted to mission work and to share the love of Jesus to the world because when the world sees us, They can't see Jesus unless they see Jesus in us. They can't experience Jesus unless they experience Jesus in us. We have a job to do. We have a job to do. And that job is to share Jesus with the world. We, in the building of the tabernacle, this is powerful. God asked the children of Israel to give them Porpoise skins as an offering. Exodus 25 verses 3 through 8. These porpoise skins were transported from Egypt where porpoises were found in abundance in the Nile and in the Red Sea. And they would take these porpoise skins and they would tan them out and they made their shoes from porpoise skins. So when God asked the children of Israel for an offering of porpoise skins in the desert, in the wilderness, He actually was asking them to give Him the shoes off their feet. Now I don't want to go too far with this, but the Word of God says how beautiful are the feet of them that carry the gospel of peace. But here's the thing that I found so powerful in this. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse number 5, After they had been wandering for 40 years in the desert, we find a scripture that says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness and your clothes have not worn out upon you and your sandals have not worn off of your feet. What is that saying? God was saying, if you give me what I need, I'll make sure you have what you need. He said, you give me that offering. You give me that offering. That will cover my presence. You protect the holy place. You protect the holiest of holies. You protect the place of my presence. And I'll provide for you and I'll take care of you and you'll never have to worry about anything at all. The porpoise skins were a a picture of the humanity of Jesus. He gave himself. He gave his all as the sin bearer for all mankind. His deity 
was veiled by His humanity. This is why it's important for us to carry the message of the gospel of Jesus to the world. The world can't see Jesus if the church doesn't preach Jesus. Now I'm going to be real careful here because I don't want to come across as critical because I, I don't think I have a critical spirit. I try not to have a critical spirit. But there's a whole lot of things that are coming out of the pulpits of America today that has nothing to do with Jesus. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. And people are standing in the sacred place as the mouthpiece of God and people are looking at them and they're hoping to receive a message that will bring them hope and set them free and they're hearing all kinds of things. But it's not Jesus. What the world needs is Jesus. They need to hear the church preach Jesus. They need to hear the church talk about Jesus. They need to hear the church sing about Jesus. They need to see people's lives changed and transformed through the power of Jesus. And they need to hear testimonies about how people was lost without God and Jesus came in and changed and transformed their life. The greatest testimony that a Christian has is a changed life for which there is no natural expectation. Explanation. Your testimony needs to be told. Herald it loud. Herald it long. Let the world know that Jesus can change them and transform them. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then shall they call on Him and whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The porpoise skins was representative of the gospel message that would go around the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This world needs the church to be the church. They need Christians to be Christians. They need men of God and women of God to be men of God and women of God. Not some person's idea of it. How do you become a man of God? You spend time with God. Amen. There's nothing difficult about that. There's nothing. There's no, you don't have to get real deep to figure that out. No, no, no. You just get in the Word. You spend time on your face alone with the Lord. That's how you become a man of God. That's how you become a woman of God. And the world doesn't need just a preacher, but they need a body of Christ that will rise up and become men and women of God that will share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in living rooms and in hotel rooms and at Walmart and gassing up their car and at the park and in the malls. We used to have Jesus marches. We called them the Emmaus walks. Now when someone says there's going to be a march, everybody goes, ooh. We need to share Jesus. So there's no attraction to Christ without the revelation of what He did. Here's what the Word says. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news who proclaims peace, 
who brings glad tidings of good things and who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. We're on the winning team. So we're covered. God says, I got you covered. He says, come on, come through Jesus. Come into my presence. The veil's already torn in two. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world has already given you access to the very earthly throne room of God. Now God sets up his throne room inside of us. God's got us covered. We're covered by righteousness. We're covered by blood. We're covered by consecration. Our lives are consecrated to God and we are covered with the gospel message. We have... We have the message that the world needs. But what the world needs is Jesus. And for a long time, you know where you put that thing? I just put the world is my parish. The world is my parish. I want the world to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus cares. This is a great church. I mean, we, listen, we came here 10 years ago. There were 17 people left. And God has grown it. And we are now on around 100 nations on television every week, and we have 48 Bible colleges. God is doing something here, folks. Amen. We, we have a responsibility as the church. Together, we have done this. God has a responsibility. God has given us a responsibility to share the gospel message around the world. So the closing challenge that I have for you today is this. God is calling His church to once again... Embrace world evangelism and mission work. And when I say mission work, this means across the street and around the world. Home missions and foreign missions. God is calling every sinner under the sound of my voice today. This is the one where we uh, stream to the world. And if you've picked it up on Isaac TV, sometimes they do. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he cares about you. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The sinner says, but you don't understand, my sins are too bad. And Jesus says, well, come on anyway, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. As I was sitting in my office yesterday about 4 o'clock, having been gone for a week, I usually spend Fridays uh, working on touching up what I'm going to be and spending time with the Lord, what I'm going to be doing on Sundays, but it just fell to where I needed to do that yesterday. And about 4 o'clock, after I had finished putting the finishing touches on this message, first of all, I thought, this is the longest outline I've had in ages. I don't know how in the world I'm going to get it out in about 45 minutes. But I think we achieved it. But then the Lord just began to roll things into my spirit. And here's what he told me. Because I was praying about what's going on in, the, in our nation, praying about what was going on in our world. And Lord, what do we do as a church? What do I do as the president of the Bible college, as the chancellor? What do I tell the deans? What do I, you know, what is, what am I supposed, Lord, I want to be your mouthpiece. I don't want this to be some figment of, figment of my imagination. I don't want this to be something I just looked at and just kind of came to the conclusion of God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know what is, what are you saying to us? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, your nation and the world are 
experiencing the birthing pangs of revival. Everything that you see is an abruption against the move of God and what God wants to do and what Christians want to stand for, what Christians feel that we should stand for. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, it's time for the church to step up and birth it. How do we do that? We do that through intercessory prayer. The Lord spoke to me. He said, in this move of God, He said, your children will step up and prophesy. Then it said this, dead churches and dead ministries will rise again. People that have been passed over. People that have been replaced. People, people that have felt like they forgot about me. God's going to raise them up. I've seen that happen in my life. I've seen it happen because, listen, you know, in the Church of God denomination, if you look in, in, in there, I'm the only voice in there. I don't have a daddy, a grandpa, and all of those kinds of... I don't have that legacy. Now, I do have a father that loved the Lord and taught me about the Lord and, and did some pioneer work and pioneer pastoring and an uncle who who done some things like that and a great-grandfather that I don't remember ever meeting who was a circuit-riding preacher, I guess. So I guess the DNA was there. But I've got spiritual fathers who have spoken into my life over the years, the DNA that's there. And we have a responsibility to do that. But the, God said the dead churches are going to rise again. People that have been passed over. People that have been forgotten. God's going to elevate them. God's going to raise them up. That's what God was saying. And he said, in the process of this, he said, I'm raising up a generation of worshipers. And then here's what he said. He said, some have left who shouldn't have left. And they'll come back. Embrace them when they come home. And then he told me this. He said, the great sifting is coming to an end because the great accuser has been defeated. Amen. Amen. And the church must embrace the motto of the gospel. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, the culmination of all things is coming the releasing of the gathered mantles are upon us. Over 20 years ago, after 28 days of fasting and praying and seeking God, the Lord spoke to me one day and He said, in the last days, He said, I will release ancient mantles into the earth. And I asked God, I said, well, what do you mean by ancient mantles? And he took me all the way back to Abel being slain by Cain. And what does that scripture say? God said, Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. And the Lord said, yes, you do. His blood cries to me from the ground. That mantle was not passed. It'll be released in the last days. This generation is worshiping like no other generation. The ancient mantle of worship, Abel's worship. And God began to speak to me about ancient mantles that had been lost, that hadn't been passed. And He said in the last days, He said, I will release those ancient mantles into the earth 
And he said, it will result in the greatest outpouring of my spirit that the world has ever seen. When the Lord told me the releasing of the gathered mantles is upon us, my mind went back some 20 years when the Lord told that to me. I want to tell you folks, we are living in unprecedented times. I would not want to live any other time in history. We are getting ready to see the move of God such as we have never seen before. If the devil can throw a pandemic globally, God can bring revival globally. God is not going to let the devil win this. It will not go unanswered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what that means? That means we have to be ready. The church has to be ready. Here am I, God. Send me. Here am I, God. Send me. Consecrated lives unto the Lord. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who helped to give to keep the gospel moving forward. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description or visit jvorce.org for more information. Please share, like, subscribe if you enjoyed our podcast. Take a screenshot and tag us at Lakewood Family Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.